event for the medical or pharmaceutical industry requires navigating a complex maze of regulations and laws on the federal and state level, not to mention new rules in a growing number of countries. But while compliance is a vital part of any healthcare meeting, so too is engagement. Healthcare professionals are people too, and seek out memorable venues, speakers, and activities in their gatherings as much as any other attendee. For today's episode of Eventful, we speak with experts on medical and pharmaceutical meetings about how to create impactful events for these industries, not only ensuring compliance, but also attendee engagement. First, we speak with Pat Schaumann, president of Schaumann Consulting Group, formerly senior director of healthcare compliance for both Merit's Global Events and MPI. She also founded the Healthcare Meeting Compliance Certificate Program, which has become the industry standard and is author of Breaking the Code to Healthcare Compliance. But first, this episode is brought to you by Visit Seattle. The best minds in groundbreaking medicine come together in Seattle to shape the future of healthcare, from leading research institutions like Fred Hutchinson Cancer Research Center to Seattle Children's Hospital to global health champions like the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and multiple digital health startups. See how Seattle is taking health to the next level and learn more about placing your meeting here at visitseattle.org backslash meetings. Is compliance still the biggest priority for those who are planning medical events? It should be uh, first and foremost when planning any medical meeting because it is controlled in our country, in the U.S., by law. So by not following the compliance regulations and rules under our law, there are serious violations and penalties. And that can be said globally. You may not be hearing about it as much as we used to because we're four years into it. So most manufacturers, and when I use that term manufacturers, I'm referring to companies, pharmaceuticals, medical device, biopharmists, those companies that produce drugs are, are devices. So most have their processes in place. In 2014, there were about 13 countries with some type of health care mandates are, are regulations. Today, we have 89. So this is not a fad. This is not going away. More and more countries are adopting some type of rules and regulations, all with some type of penalties. We do hear a lot about it because there are some things that have not changed. Uh, food caps and hotel room rates and different levels of limitations of business appropriate. So we have to be mindful of that every single time a medical meeting is planned. But it could be, again, that companies have settled into the law and have their processes in place, but they still have their challenges. And are there any recent developments as far as compliance goes that even those who maybe were compliant maybe a year or two ago, are there recent developments they should be keeping in mind? The laws in the U.S. are called open payments, and they prevail. No matter what, they prevail. But if a state has a law that has a different methodology or let's say they want to adopt a food cap as they did in New Jersey, they can institute their own laws in those states, which means that meeting planners have to be mindful of that, certainly if doctors are from that area. And then also when planning any events, making sure that you follow the current rules and regulations. So state changes for sure. And probably one of the most relevant, if you're a medical meeting planner, I hope you know this. And if not, I'm glad to share it with you. But Recently, President Trump passed a new law, and it's it's because it's in response to the current opioid crisis that's sweeping across the country. So Congress passed the Substance Use Disorder Prevention, which is now called the Support Act, and that was actually signed into law in 2018. 
but it's going to take full effect on January 1st, 2022. So what that means to the medical meeting planners that may be listening is that there is a category under our law that tells you it's called applicable covered recipients. And these are the people that are reported on any transfer of value. ABC Pharmaceutical Company is going to pay for a doctor to attend a conference or give them an honoraria or a gift, which doesn't happen much. There is a category in the U.S. and those that includes doctors of medicine, which are osteopathic, dental, podiatry, optometry, chiropractors, and teaching hospitals. With the Support Act, that broadens the category. So moving forward, we will also be reporting on physician assistants, nurse practitioners, clinical nurse specialists, certified nurse midwives. So it's going to broaden and affect more people when we're planning meetings and conferences that if you have nurses attending or physician assistants or whatever in that category, you're also not going to have to report transfer value on that group as well. And that's a pretty significant change. Wow. Yeah, that really opens it up, broadens it out quite a bit as far as attendees and, and which specific industries or, or uh, roles are affected in the, in the medical industry. Mm-hmm. That point you made about the state variation, too, brings up the point about destination selection. I imagine that would come into play as a planner is trying to decide where to hold their meeting, what they would need to do the research, understand what the specifics are. Now, it's interesting that you bring that up because I've been involved in a couple of the states that have these amendments before their Congresses. Sometimes I'll get a call for some feedback on it, and I will tell you, so it's a very perceptive question, that when these states make these changes, as in New Jersey, which Governor Christie changed as he was leaving office, um, put a limitation on food and beverage at $15 a meal and also some other limitations. Well, $15 a meal is very difficult. Yeah. And the adverse effect of that is that people and groups may say, you know what, I'm not going to do my meetings in New Jersey. So it really can have an adverse effect on travel and tourism, which was a big issue in Philadelphia recently. A new law was introduced and very significant. No more medical meetings in restaurants, which really stirred up a lot of controversy. And by the way, that did not pass. But I'm wondering sometimes if these destinations are not considering how they may have financial loss by putting these new rules in place because groups may not want to choose that destination. Something that should be considered is unique venues for medical meetings. And again, being very select because even using art museums may be deemed inappropriate to absent, you know, it's too, it just doesn't fit within an internal company's rules and regulations. But I think that there are some incredible unique venues out there in the U S and abroad, of course, that makes the doctor's experience more engaging. And because uh, I think in 2014, somebody stood up and said, all right, no more fun for doctors. And it's appropriate because they're trying to stop that undue influence. But then it, it, it gets a little bit harder to draw doctors and healthcare professionals to your meetings. And it's the same old, same old. And I mean, hotels are great. They do a good job. They train. Uh, many of them train on healthcare meetings. But There are some unique venues in different areas. And just a couple of examples would be there is the O'Quindle Center in Las Vegas, and they host about 25,000 medical meetings a year. And these are very high-tech facilities with robotic surgery, operating rooms where doctors can actually go in 
and see the latest in technology and hold their meetings there. Uh, Camel Center in Tampa Bay is another one. Nicholson Center in Kissimmee, Florida. I mean, and and there are others. It it gives a a little bit more allure to those HCPs attending to be in a facility that might offer this. And you can certainly still use your hotels. Where's a good resource for folks that maybe if they want to make sure they're getting the latest updates, where where, where should they look for that kind of information? Uh, And most big pharma has this. They have internal compliance departments or compliance directors or compliance attorneys. But there is an app. It's the only one in the world, and it's called My Compliance Wizard. And in that app, which is not available in the App Store, by the way, you have to go to their website, but that app includes all 198 countries in the world, and it will give you information for free about location, holidays, currency, and then there is a subscription fee that will take you Let's say you're doing a meeting in Denmark or you have a a physician coming to your meeting in the U.S. from Denmark. Um, You can click on Denmark and uh, as a registrant and you can see the categories, food and beverage, hotel, honoraria. And if there's a little green check mark, it means they have some type of limit on that. And if you just click on that, it will give you the current food and beverage limits for dinner, uh, what's appropriate for hotels. That really is a very useful tool. And again, it's called My Compliance Wizard. That is a great source, but it's very difficult because they change so frequently. So we've talked a bit about compliance and deterrence from choosing destinations or sort of baseline concerns when you're putting an an event together to make sure that you're not breaking any laws or anything. What about more on the sort of positive side as far as for engaging healthcare medical professionals, as far as things like education or programming? Again, I think we forgot about the doctors and we forgot about the HC healthcare professionals. Uh, We're so focused on following the law, which we should be, that we forgot about what the experience for them should be. In studying a lot of recent surveys with doctors about what are their expectations for medical meetings, I think some interesting things were found. Again, pay attention to that experience. You want that HCP to attend your meeting. They say that they want to be located near an airport, which is interesting. They want to have ease of getting in and out of a destination. They don't want to be gone longer than two to two and a half days. They don't want to be away from their patients or their practice. The pattern of the meeting they prefer the best is late in the week. They want more involvement in the content, pre-meeting and post-meeting. They want to have some involvement in that. None surveyed wanted a generalist as a speaker, even if they were a popular uh, speaker in some category. They want specialists who can talk to them about a specific drug state or a specific drug. So they really want that specialized speaker. And they, and they say, don't scrimp on the meal, which is interesting, because there's a lot of scrimping based on food caps. And they want to leave the meeting smarter when they came in. Let's not forget about the attendee, mindful of all the regulations that you have to abide by. Let's not forget the experience, uh, just as you want to be engaged when you go to a meeting you want your doctors to be feel engaged as well. To speak to the importance of incorporating impactful activities into an event, here's Wendy Christner, Senior Director of Meetings and Expositions for the American Pharmacists Association. 
The American Pharmacists Association represents pharmacists all over the country in all different work categories. And we have two major meetings that we do. We do meetings all throughout the year, educational programming, but the ones that I'm responsible for are a 6,000 person meeting in March and the 1,000 person joint federal pharmacy seminar, which is held in October. Uh, We have to make sure that wherever we decide to go can actually host a very successful meeting for us. But we really try to set ourselves apart by looking at things when we're looking at priorities for the destination and what we're going to be doing for the meeting. We have to focus very heavily on safety and security. Uh, That is obviously more and more upfront with our attendees and with our responsibilities are increasing. We want to establish emotional connections with our attendees. We want them to pick our meeting over another association that might have education and networking opportunities for pharmacists as well. And we really want to use the latest and greatest technologies, social media. We want to make sure we give people the biggest bang for their buck so that they really feel as though they have value when they come to our meeting. And we need to make sure that our supporters are satisfied, that we continue to increase the support opportunities and that the exhibitors are very happy with the interactions that they have with the pharmacists attending our meeting. Mm-hmm. So a number of different stakeholders that you're needing to make sure it's going to connect with. There's no doubt about it. The stakeholders are varied. Uh, We have our members. We have non-members that we're trying to convert to members. We have supporters. We have exhibitors. We have staff. We have the community, obviously, that we're visiting, and we want to make a very positive impact on that community as well. And I know for your recent annual meeting held in Seattle, a CSR activity was also an important part of the agenda. Absolutely. We had a tremendous success with our CSR program in Seattle. Seattle has a little bit of everything. It's a beautiful location. It's got an amazing convention and visitors bureau. It's got great convention facilities and hotels within easy walking distance. So when we came to Seattle and knew that they were having issues with homelessness, as many big cities around the country do, we really decided to do what we can and to try to leave a very positive impact and a positive footprint from our meeting. We had four days, five days of 6,000 people in a destination, and we really wanted to see how we could make a difference. So the Convention and Visitors Bureau actually brought three great organizations to our attention. We interviewed those organizations, and we really just felt a deep connection with a group called Mary's Place. And once we partnered with them, we spent just a few hours on the phone with them prior to us arriving and found out what we could do that would benefit them the most. And we decided on several different ways that our attendees could emotionally connect with them and to really have a opportunity to donate, knowing that their money was going to be very well spent. And there were several things that we were able to do. We put their booth in a very highly visible location. They got a lot of foot traffic. 
They had people come in and do um, care kits, assemble care kits. We wrote birthday cards. And then we had several different prize drawings that people, if they donated, we would give them a free registration to next year's meeting. And then our exhibitors got involved for every uh, swipe of a badge. If you went to go visit an exhibitor booth, they gave $2 towards Mary's place. And then we also ask for in-kind services where if they had leftover granola bars or registration bags or pens or paper, anything that Mary's Place might be able to recycle, they left that there. We also had our students sell t-shirts and the profits from the t-shirts went to Mary's Place. So it was in four days, the the money raised, which was about $14,000 total, was immensely helpful to an organization that is dedicated and has the resources to get folks off the street permanently. So real tangible impact that you could see. It was more than I ever expected. The uh, Again, and I keep uh, coming back to the emotional connection, our attendees really were influenced. And I think it really just having the the charity there where they could interact with people and talk to people about stories and successes, trying to help folks get off the street and just to know that their money was going, really, really going to a good organization and not just being handed out to somebody on the street. The stories that were told between our attendees and Mary's Place, it was a buzz around the conference. It really was. And we got some wonderful local news coverage, which really focused on the benefits of bringing meetings to destinations and doing a CSR program. And I imagine that tangible impact is appealing, especially when you're talking about folks in the medical or pharma community, where it is all about problem solving. Well, you hit it right on the nail. I mean, our pharmacists are dedicated to patient care. That's what they do. That's why we have these meetings. That's why we have membership is to raise money to put programs together and education together so that pharmacists make people's lives better. So it was a perfect fit. Well, any other thoughts on things in in the last couple of years that have shifted where you're focusing more on certain types of education or any other best practices that you would say have evolved? Yeah, we have. Uh, we, we There's two things, actually, that our education team um, has done that's relatively new. One is called Farm Talks, which showcases pharmacy practice innovations. And it, it provides a really dynamic educational platform, which will showcase the latest innovations and the ideas that are created and developed by the pharmacists that come to the meeting. So that has been really popular. And the other one is kind of a think sharp tank, uh, but with a pharmacy spin, and that's our farm tank competition. And that recognizes pharmacists who are solving some of the toughest challenges in pharmacy care. And they share their ideas before an audience of their peers. And then, of course, the whole way that education is these days, it is no more talking heads. We just, that is so passe. You have to have audience polling and audience questions and interactions and real, you know, really keep people engaged, I think, on a much higher level than we were able to get away with five or 10 years ago. So that is, I think, the big change in our industry, not only with pharmacists, but I think with all folks who are trying to educate their attendees. 
I think engagement has been a really big topic for the last few years, but I think it's kind of evolving a little bit. That's Katie Koziel, Director of Client Services at Ashfield Meetings and Events, which specializes in healthcare meetings. Ashfield has published a series of white papers and guidebooks aimed at engaging healthcare professionals at medical meetings and events. When we talk about engagement, I think it means something different to everyone, depending on what their own interpretation of it is. But it's it's how your your message is getting across. So making sure that your priority is that that messaging and also ensuring that it's retained. I think now we throw a lot of information at people uh, in many different ways. Everything is very instantaneous of on our phone, on our emails. So, you know, especially attending a, a medical meeting, we are putting a lot of information out there at the attendees in a very short period of time. So, you know, a big priority is making sure that your messaging is being retained, that you're trying to also measure engagement during your meeting, trying to measure where certain content maybe wasn't received as well, or, or the understanding wasn't there. Um, and, and there's different tools, you know, in the industry now to do that. But I think that is, that's the really such a priority for our clients and our stakeholders of, if you're going through all the, the effort and, and uh, work to, to put together an event, you want to make sure that your content is being well received. Also, we talk a lot about personalization. We see that in our everyday lives. And I think attendees are also wanting that as well. So I, I've personally talked to a lot of our clients about how do we kind of personalize the experience of our attendees as much as possible. And I think first and foremost, the easiest way to do that, it doesn't really cost any money. But it's asking in advance of that meeting, what do the attendees want to hear about? And that could really help gauge how you create your agenda, how you create your sessions, because a person running a meeting knows what they want to talk about. But you also want to kind of make sure that that's aligned with what the attendees are expecting and what they want to hear about. Um, Ashfield has conducted quite a bit of research in this area and looked at meetings and what healthcare professionals are looking for in their events. So maybe just what are a couple of the top line findings that you've discovered? The overarching concept of, of ROI and how healthcare professionals really have such a strong focus. And I think that was the largest change we saw across the last few years in some of our publications was how much um, HCPs are focusing on measuring their own kind of ROI when they attend a meeting or a Congress. Their schedules are very limited in time and they're extremely busy. So they're putting kind of their own personal objectives together prior to going to a meeting or, or a Congress and making sure that when they get back, they're really truly evaluating to themselves did what I learn, is that directly impacting my patients? Was I able to expand my network of peers? And, and you know, did I make some, some new connections in the industry? Different areas of that. And, you know, networking is, is a huge priority for any kind of face-to-face -face meeting or Congress. And I think gone are the days of sitting in a lecture hall and just listening. I think HCP's focus is, is networking and not just networking over a coffee break, but giving them kind of facilitated uh, networking opportunities that are somewhat structured. So brainstorming sessions and different times throughout the meeting that they can interact with their peers. That's a big learning principle for adults is they learn best from each other. So not just from a, a speaker who's leading a session, but, you know, sharing best practice, sharing real life experience was something that really came across in, in our findings is something that our healthcare professionals across the board, and this was a global audience that we spoke to for each of our white papers, I should have mentioned, it was really that networking aspect and connecting with some of their peers. 
The other main important finding across the board was really around the content that that is being presented. So healthcare professionals are evaluating, is this content I've heard before? Is this really the, the newest, latest news of what's going on in the industry, whether it be around their disease state, new products, whatever it might be, making sure that for them to take time out of their busy schedules, they are finding out new information that's really appealing to them that they can directly apply to their patients and to enhance their their service as a physician. And lastly, around content, I think is very important to make sure that they're getting access to that content. So whether it be articles, podcasts, different publications, I think there's so many different communication channels now. And we've seen HCPs really taking advantage of multiple channels and and different avenues to, to gain that information. So making sure that one, they're aware that the content's out there, they have access to that content, whether it be slides from a meeting or whether it be access to a, a virtual session. One issue we haven't really talked about is compliance. Would you say that that's still a top of mind issue for healthcare event planners? Or uh, is it now just table stakes where they know that they need to do this and it's just taken for granted? I think that's a great question. And I think compliance is second nature to all of us now. It's still very much an important consideration and one that we make every decision around. But I also think with where we are in the industry and how long compliance has really been around, it's something that's second nature to planners. I still think it's a very important consideration when you're looking at a venue or the length of the venue, the, the type of venue, the location of the venue, and so many other things. But yes, I think it very much just is something that's ingrained in us now that still a very important consideration, but one that we do quite intuitively, quite naturally. I think healthcare professionals have come a long way with the understanding of compliance, that it's here to stay. I think compliance in some organizations shifts, it changes. And I think it's very important as planners to make sure that we're always as up to date and up to speed on any regulations or policies that our our pharmaceutical clients might have in place. But yeah, overall, I think that's a, a really important aspect. This episode is brought to you by Visit Seattle. See how Seattle is taking health to the next level and learn more about placing your meeting here at visitseattle.org backslash meetings. Thanks for listening to Eventful, the podcast for meeting professionals. Be sure to rate and review us and subscribe. Check back for new episodes soon.